0: Good morning, everybody. All right. My name is Pastor Chris. I'm the associate pastor here at Lamont Calvary Church. Um, Like Pastor Jim already said, if you're a guest with us this morning, if you brave that cold, thank you so much for being here. Um, I know it was hard for me to get out of bed this morning. Um, But as we continue this morning, we've been going through the book of Acts. Last year, we started by going through um, the book of Luke, which is a biography, one of the four um, written about Jesus, also called Gospels. And so we thought this year, this spring, it would be fitting to continue the story that Luke intended to write and look at the history of the first church. So in the first two weeks, we went over through chapters one and two, and this week we will be in chapter three. Um, the book of Acts is found in the New Testament, which is the second half of the Bible. And it's actually a sequel, like I said, to one of those four biographies. Um, Luke was actually a pretty, a pretty cool character. He was a doctor and so his intent in writing the Gospel of Luke, the biography about Jesus, and the book of Acts, or the history of the first church, was really to give an intent, well-researched, determined um, understanding and story of those two things. But there's a cool dynamic that really happens in the book of Acts that I think we today can pay attention to and really have a lot to take away from. And that important dynamic is that God sent his Holy Spirit to not just reside among us, but to reside in us. So after Jesus' death, he scandalously returned from the grave to spend one final season with his disciples, his closest friends. And he did this to do a couple of things. One, to firmly prove that he is alive and well even after being crucified to a cross. Um, the other piece was to prove that he indeed is the Messiah, which was Israel's long-awaited hero that would bring, bring peace to the earth. And the last one was to prove that Jesus is, indeed again, God-made man. And as his disciples were established in what this truth really meant for them, as they dis- understood that, wow, Jesus died and he came back from, from death, Jesus left them with one final instruction he said don't leave jerusalem don't leave the capital city of israel because my father is going to send the holy spirit and the holy spirit is going to come down on you immerse you or baptize you in power so that you will be and this is an optional that you will be my witness those that tell my story throughout the entire world And so Jesus' disciples, about 120 of them, crowded into a small room, and they prayed for the Holy Spirit to come. And without warning, the Holy Spirit rushed in with the sound of a violent wind, as Scripture says, and filled each of them in the room with that power of the Holy Spirit putting on them tongues of fire, and then each of them heard each other speaking in different languages not knowing what this was all about, they got excited and they burst forth from that private room into the public. And the public, they, there are people from all over the world visiting Jerusalem. They were there for a religious festival. And what did they hear? They heard these voices. They heard these 120 people rushing through the streets. And they heard messages about God in their home language. So foreigners from all over the, the world come to Jerusalem And they're hearing their native tongues being spoken. And not just spoken, but explaining who God really is. And then, as I don't know if the crowd quieted down, I think it would still be exciting. Peter, the same Peter that just not too long ago denied that he ever knew Jesus and was a coward and let Jesus go to the cross without him. That same Peter got up, and by miraculous encouragement, miraculous boldness, explained to the crowds who Jesus really was in the common tongue so that they would all know what was happening. And it said that day, Luke tells us, being the historian, being the detail guy he is, that 3,000 were added to the, to the faith that day. The book of Acts is not just the story of the first church, but it is also the story of the Holy Spirit, the third personhood of God who came to empower, equip, and reside in each of us so that we, the church, each and every one of us can be about the work of establishing God's redemptive will in our broken world. And this leads us this morning to chapter three. And we will see these works, but we're going to see what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Holy Spirit wants to do far more than just encourage us to speak nice words. The Holy Spirit encourages the disciples to literally move in power so that the church could take its first steps. And I mean that very literally this morning. So as we open up, um, I want to kind of summarize the beginning of chapter 3. So chapter 3 opens up with Peter and John, two guys, two followers of Jesus, going up to the temple to pray. The temple was in the highest part of Jerusalem. It was the kind of literally the capital point of the city. It could be seen from anywhere. So they were going up to the temple to pray, and on their way through the temple gate, something they had done many times on their own and then also with Jesus, they go through the temple gate, and they see a man being carried in. Now this man, he was paralyzed his entire life from birth, we're told. He was placed, forced, and set in front of that temple gate every day to earn nickels and dimes. And catching the eyes of Peter and John, he asked them, do you have any money for me today? And this dialogue was likely as awkward then as it is for us today because places of high traffic like street corners, intersections, places like curbsides, and in this case, the temple gate, are home to marginalized people. Places of high traffic congregate people that need and are in desperate help. And if we're fully honest, we're desperate too but in a different way we're desperate to avoid their eyes we're desperate to close our ears to their voices because it's uncomfortable but peter and john they they weren't going to ignore this man they knew that they had something for him so they did just the opposite so if you want to read along with me this morning we're going to look at acts chapter 3 and chapter 3 verses 4 through 10 to start and if you don't have a bible with you this morning We're going to have the words up on the screen. So, chapter, verse 4 starts. It says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ, of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, he helped him up. And instantly, the man's feet and his ankles became strong. He jumped up to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them to the temple courts, walking, jumping, and praising God. And when all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit every day, begging. At the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. What I love about this story is that it shows us that a life empowered by the Holy Spirit is one of empathy, not one of sympathy. See, sympathy is something that it sees a situation, it sees hardship, and it says, Oh boy, that's tough. That's really hard. I'm sorry you're going through that. But it could be worse. And then they walk on. But empathy, empathy enters in. Empathy gets up close and personal. And Peter and John had empathy on that day, just as Christ had empathy for us in becoming man and experiencing every facet of humanity, every pain, every sickness, and even death. And there was not a chance that this man felt unnoticed. Peter and John got in up close and personal and trusted that God would move and meet his need. And this is really unbelievable stuff. People just don't get healed every day. Our boys, though, they knew something. They knew that Jesus understands our circumstance. They knew that Jesus conquered death. They knew that Jesus conquered the cross, and in becoming man and experiencing all of that, they knew that Jesus could overcome the worst of it and that they could ask for big things. And so I want to ask, do we know that? Do we know that we can ask God for big things? If God conquered death, if he created the world, what can't he do? Do we know that we can ask for big? And see, a life... Empowered by God, empowered by Christ, alongside Christ, isn't just a life of nice words. It's a life of action. And I think far too often, we settle for less than what God wants to give. I want you to hear that. I think way too often, we settle for far, far less than what God wants to bless us with. If you're taking notes this morning, write that down. Peter and John, they were ready but the beggar, he did not see it. He didn't get it. He lived off of sympathy. Sympathy was his bread and butter. He was living off of the nice words and the good intentions of men. And it, I think this is an absolutely tragic story because the beggar was, sat outside the temple every day. The temple, historically, was the house of God. Imagine someone sitting on your doorstep hoping that you will help them and never feeling helped. He sat outside the house of the creator of the universe and all he hoped for was a little bit of money. Jesus didn't send the Holy Spirit to make us a little pocket change or to make our lives just a little bit more bearable. He sent the Holy Spirit to make our lives change, completely, fully transformed. And you guys just read this with me, so you know what's next. Peter looked at the man And what did he say? He said, walk. Walk. It was a word the beggar knew, but he never knew that he would do it. So in the name of Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit, Peter and John found themselves in the presence of a completely healed man, walking where he could only ever lay. And obviously this caused a commotion, and Peter knew he had an opportunity, so he seized it. So Acts chapter 3, verses 12 through 16, Luke records for us. When Peter saw this, when Peter saw the commotion, when Peter saw his opportunity, he said to them, fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac and Jacob, the God of our fathers has glorified His servant, our Savior Jesus, and you handed him over to be killed. You handed Jesus over to be disowned by Pilate, even though Pilate decided he wouldn't kill him. You disowned the Holy and Righteous One and asked that instead a murderer would be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead, and we are witnesses of this. And today, by faith in the name of Jesus, the man who you see and know was made strong. It is in Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that he has been completely healed, as you all can see. If on the day of Pentecost, if on the day that the tongues and fire came on the Holy Spirit to proclaim the truth of Jesus, then today the gift of the Spirit came on Peter and John and enabled a healing so that the people in the temple could understand who God is. Peter and John knew what was happening and they were quick to give the Holy Spirit credit. Peter deflected any sort of accolades that were trying to be thrown on him. He could—he went as far to say that guys, John and I, were ordinary people. We are, we are nothing. We are just humanity. We are not God's But it was purely in faith of Jesus that this man was made well. And as a result, Luke, again, being a doctor, being a detailed guy, records in chapter 4 that on that day, at that event, the number of believers grew to 5,000 people. Now I'm going to stop, and I'm going to ask a question some of us might be thinking Does this still happen today? Do divine healing still happen today? Does God still work in these miraculous ways? I believe, yeah. I believe he does. And just as Peter and John asked the crowd, I want to ask, are any of us surprised by this? Because this surprises many people for various reasons. There are some that believe these miracles, these gifts, they ended ages ago when the church was just getting started. That we don't need them anymore and there are others that say you know pastor that's a nice thought that's a really nice fairy tale there but those are sci- scientifically it is not impossible it just can't flip the switch and and be good again and then there are some other of us who say like you know i think maybe they will happen but if they don't it's probably because you don't have enough faith not too long ago i shared a message about the list of men and women that the writer of hebrew celebrated for their faith in god In that list were biblical heroes that saw incredible, incredible miracles, and the writer said they are credited with righteousness because of their faith. But there were others in that list I shared that day who were also commended for their faithfulness and instead suffered torture, they suffered stoning, they suffered flogging, and some of them even being sawn in two. I said that day, and I'll say today, that faith is not in our circumstances, but it's in the victory of the cross. So if healing happens today, I guess does that mean that we might not experience it? Well, I want to ask you guys again. Tell me, church, where did the beggar sit every single day asking for money? Where was it? The temple. He sat at the temple every single day. God was not unaware of what this man was going through. Jesus made countless trips to the temple in his lifetime. As a boy, he questioned the Pharisees and the the teachers. And as as an older man, he was flipping the tables. So our beggar knew very well who Jesus was. And Jesus likely knew, coming into that temple, time after time after time, he recognized who this beggar was. And yet, throughout his entire earthly ministry, Jesus saw him, he knew him, but he never healed him. Does that mean Jesus is any less? Jesus restored the skin of lepers. Jesus gave sight to the blind. He raised dead men to life. He cast out demons into the sea. He caused bleeding women to stop, and he made lame men walk, but not this lame man. But Jesus had a plan. His plan was he was going to send the Holy Spirit so you and I Ordinary people, normal humanity, just like Peter and John, he sent the Holy Spirit so that we could change lives. Because as the church, we can be immersed in that power of the Holy Spirit so that the gates of hell would not stand a chance in this world. God wants to knock those down. He wants to set prisoners and captives free, whether they're lame or walking, whether they're sick or healthy, rich or poor. He wants freedom and restoration in this world. And each of us are very ordinary people, but we can live empowered because of a very, very extraordinary God. When I was 20 years old, I suffered a really stupid back injury. It was pretty horrendous. Um, I went to bed one night, I woke up the next morning, and I couldn't really even walk. And as a result of that injury, I have lived with seasonal back pain for almost the last 10 years. And in late November, one day after sitting too long, I re injured it. And I spent three weeks in early December wondering if my life would ever return to normal. Honestly, to some extent, probably the most darkest times of my life in terms of my attitude, my mental outlook. There was a night where I had prepared a youth group. And in my pride, I was humiliated to ask others for help. God taught me so much through that injury. That I need a church around me because it's not about Chris, it's about the family, the community of God. I am still currently experiencing one of the longest seasons of the pain that I think I have ever been in. I mean, even this morning, I had several people praying for me because I thought I was going to be in tears at one point up here trying to stand. I've prayed for my healing, Catherine's prayed for my healing, Pastor Jim's prayed for my healing, several of you have prayed for my healing. Last week I was down in Carlinville at our district office and I had five ordained ministers anoint me with oil, praying for my healing, and then they asked me, after the prayer was over, they said amen, they said, are you healed? And I bent over and I felt the pain still. I can't tell you if you will or you won't experience divine healing. There's not a formula. There just isn't. And I wish there was. I mean, I think all of us wish there was a go to church this many times in a row and you will be healed. It'd be great. I would have have never been injured. (laughs) But I will tell you that Jesus is still in the restoration business. Because if the Old Testament prophet told us this, Isaiah told us about Jesus, surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered Jesus punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions and he was crushed For our iniquities, the punishment that brought us peace as the church was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. And if Jesus' healing work in the Gospels is the fulfillment of that prophecy, and if Luke being a doctor had no conflict with science or the spiritual, and if the temple crowd believed their eyes, and if the disciples urged us to continue to pray for healing, and if the Hebrew writer is right when he or she says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then my faith tells me Jesus still heals today, regardless of what I'm experiencing. My challenge today is not that we would only trust that Jesus still heals, but rather understand that what Peter and John experienced is for us. Because too many of us, like the beggar, have settled for less than what God wants to give, the Father that sent the Holy Spirit for a purpose so that we could be a valid witness to the truth of Jesus. That's why he sent the Spirit, to show a truth, a valid witness, a real thing that the divine is here, the divine is present, the heavens have come down, and it resides in us because of the cross. The Holy Spirit didn't come to make our lives bearable. He came to bring restoration to us, and then from us to God in the rest of the world. And the works of the Holy Spirit will allow, like they offered Peter miraculous moments for each of us to share the generous heart of god with the world and when i began this morning i said that luke recorded far more than we have previously read in in the book of acts and we will continue to read far more than what we just read today and heard but it's not just for a book it is for our lives and this is true in the text and out of it in a few minutes our prayer team will be available And I want us to seek that same healing that Peter and John brought to the beggar. And you guarantee I will be down there with you this morning. If you are ill, if you know someone who is ill, if you know someone who is suffering, we're going to practice what James encouraged us to do when he said in another book in the New Testament, the second half of the Bible, he said, Call the elders of the church to pray over the sick and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Because if Jesus can conquer death, then he can conquer your cold. Then he can conquer your flu. Then he can conquer your cancer. He can conquer your bad back. He can conquer it all. But for the rest of us, for the rest of us that are here, if you're not sick, if you're not injured or whatever, as we continue to journey through the book of Acts, I want to encourage you to let your heart consider what a life immersed with the Holy Spirit looks like. Consider a life empowered by that third person of God who exists to spotlight Jesus, wants to reside in your life, and was sent to equip us for the purpose we were made to. To spotlight Jesus, to glorify God, to bring restoration to the world around us, to do the miraculous, whether that's encouragement through boldness of speaking or real, crazy, wild healing. They both happen. They are both for us, and they both show the world who God is. So at this time, I'm going to pray. Pastor Jim will come up in a few minutes. We've got a special way to end service today. But then at the end of service, very end, our prayer team will be up here to pray with each and every one of us if we want to pursue a healing touch today. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word we thank you for your goodness we thank you that you are the same when you created the world when you came into the world and when you sent your holy spirit to empower us as we walk through the world father we pray this morning that we would not be afraid but would rather chase after and pursue a life immersed or baptized in the holy spirit because that is a a gift that you want to give us not so that we can have warm feels but Father, so that we can really understand that there is more than we are experiencing, and so that we can understand and operate in a way that brings your healing and restoration to the world in ways that naturally do not make sense. But Father, it's in ways that do not make sense, like coming back from the dead, like a lame man walking, that are a testimony and a clarification that yes, you are the Messiah. You are the hero that Israel waited for, that was not just for Israel proper, but for the Gentiles, for us, the people that are are not Jewish, the people that are at every end of the world that still need your love, still need your restoration, and still need your healing. And we ask this morning that we would walk in that, in your name.